Monday, June 12th, episode 55 of the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Matt Morsey, investment team manager, joins us. Hello. Hey, Danny. And we've got Todd Voigt, chief investment strategist. Welcome to you. Good morning, Danny. I want to start off by thanking all of our listeners. We really appreciate you coming back each and every single week. Uh, If you like what you hear, if you like the conversation, please feel free to subscribe, share with your friends and family. Uh, We really enjoy making these, and let's get this week started, Todd. As we try to be forward-looking, we have a pretty eventful week coming up here. we got Tuesday CPI, expected to be 4.1, was 4.9 last month, bit of a descent. Wednesday, uh, FOMC meeting, Fed expected to pause or skip, whatever you want to call it, leave Fed funds rate at five and a quarter. PPI reported that same day, expected to come in at one and a half percent, was 2.3 in April. That too is on a bit of a descent. Thursday, we got retail sales overall continue to fall, mixed from retailers, you know, from Macy's and Target, the disappointing to Walmart bright spot. Uh, we have industrial production numbers this week. And a, and a big one, Friday, Michigan sentiment, two components uh, to look at there. Consumer sentiment expected to hang around 60. Consumer inflation expectations fell as low as 3.6 in March, jumped to 4.6 in April, fell back to 4.2. This next data point will give us a good idea of the trend in consumer inflation expectations. may not seem to be important to some, But the Fed has explicitly stated they do not want inflation expectations to get embedded in consumer psyche. So hence the skip versus the pause language. They want to leave a rate hike possibility on the table. As we move into strengths. Essentially, the biggest strength right now is the strength of the markets, the S&P, especially the market cap weighted portion of it or the market cap weighted index of how that's calculated up over 20 percent off the October lows. This is really led by the large cap growth portion of the S&P 500. 248 days that we are in in a so-called bear market so far, which is one of the longest since 1948. So the question really is, have we set those lows? Are those there? October probably was a low, but is it the low? And what we want to really look at this point is valuations. Uh, Large cap has done really well. Small cap stayed with it for a while, but it's started to come back. Todd, why don't you jump in to hit the small cap portion? I wanted to add, because an interesting point you made about the S&P and the bear market, and if October was a low, that reference is to the S&P market weighted index, and we draw a distinction between that and the equal weighted index. And that has rebounded, but both are still off. Market weighted S&P is still off its 10% off its peak. Equal weighted is even more off its peak, and small caps are well off their peaks, and NASDAQ's even way off its peak despite these rallies. And so this could be a bear market rally. Where To me, coming out of a, a bear market just because you're 20% up off the bottom and you deem it a new bull market doesn't mean we're in a rip-roaring blockbuster bull market. Not at these valuation levels. We'll talk about that later, but small caps are more representative of the the, the economy and the cyclicality of the economy. And they, those haven't really participated, made a move since the end of May. But valuations on small cap, if I just give you round numbers, PE of nine versus 15 on average from 2000 to 2022, that's different uh, and much lower than the 29 PE uh, versus 24 average for large cap growth. So we are at an elevated level in valuation, wouldn't expect a a blockbuster blowout 
bull market rally here just because we're off the bottom in October. I think that what it does tell you is if we revisit that because that October bottom was similar to the June bottom and we could have a third bottom in there. But it tells you there's a floor in this bear market at those levels. Will we retest them? Maybe not get as far down as what we saw in October, but uh, I wouldn't say it's all clear on the upside from here. Yeah, I think portfolio construction is key in this, right? You want to have parts of your portfolio that are going to outperform like this, especially in the large cap growth, but rebalancing, finding what your ultimate allocation is supposed to be, being able to move some of that money into areas that have lower valuations and maybe haven't participated as much in the rally is a little bit more defensive when you think of the standpoint of that, if we do start to see a pullback, especially in that large cap growth area, because it's gotten pretty extended, that you're able to weather some of that storm you know, within your portfolio and take advantage when other areas of the portfolio start to rebound back to maybe more normal valuations. Yeah, two great points about that is that, that diversification is gonna take advantage of what turns up next. And when you're in a period of uncertainty, I don't like using uncertainty as an excuse. Try to avoid it like you try to avoid speculating too much. But when you when you have almost a 50-50 split with people in broadcast news and they're talking about they're bullish or they're bearish. I mean it's it's so split that diversification is is the key. Uh, you you're kind of spread out and it is defensive in nature, but it's a good strategy. What do you have for weaknesses? Right now, the biggest weakness that we see coming up is the consumer. You start to see different different elements of that consumer in terms of um, bubbling up some of the risks that we're going to see. So one of them is credit cards. When you think of credit cards and the interest rate that people have to pay on their balances, we're essentially hitting all-time highs. And that rate that you got to pay now is over 20% on average, which is astronomical from a standpoint of trying to keep up with those uh, balances that you have on there and being able to try to get ahead. You think of inflation having a really big impact on the consumer over time as they're paying more and more, but you're also seeing that on what they owe. And that's going to be really hard for them to maintain. The second part of that is that right now, it tentatively looks like the end of August is when student loan payments are going to start back up again. And that's all of a sudden a $400 on average payment that people have not been paying over the last three years. That's really hard to come up for. For most people to all of a sudden have an extra $400 that they can come up with in order to make those payments, they're going to have to sacrifice someplace else, or they're going to have to borrow more and more. And if you have a higher interest rate on when you're borrowing, that's really a spiral that could get out of control and could stop future consumption. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's going to strain a lot of budgets. And it's going to be largely dependent on how strong the labor market remains going forward. It's been strong. Along the lines of weaknesses, we have Europe's already in recession. It's an economic, in an economic sense, not a market sense, but an economic sense. Europe's in a recession the past two quarters. It's no different than, than our type of recessions and the markets preceding a bottom in, in the economy. So the European markets, in our view, have already d- largely discounted that weakness in, the, in Europe. While the economic situation is is weak, there's another weakness in, in Europe, and that's the inflation remains persistent there. So, again, international is, in terms of markets, is going to already discount that. So 
Um, we'll talk about that when we get the opportunities, but that's a persistent weakness. Anything else you got, Matt? To add on on the, the European side or international as a whole is that, you know, the markets are forward looking. And so like you said, they've already discounted a lot of that, but you're still seeing actually pretty good performance overseas relative to the U.S. over the last year and a half. Uh, it's actually led by about 3% when you look at international developed versus the U.S. over that time period, which ended a very long streak of U.S. dominance. Really, since the financial crisis, the U.S. has dominated international markets. And people's portfolios have really represented that as well, too, as people either do not rebalance or saw that strength in the U.S. markets and kept piling in that international trying to price forward that recession, get in front of it, provi provide some opportunities to actually leg into that and start to increase that allocation and maybe get in front of others. Right. And it's a great segue into opportunities. To that point about valuations, uh, the valuations in Europe are much lower than they are in the U.S. by far. So when I talk about that blockbuster blowout rally that you'd expect coming out of a recession or a trough in the markets, that's where you're likely to find it in our in our opinion. Now, while we're on opportunities, right? Cash on the sidelines, you got about five trillion. But there's a dynamic there where cash on the sidelines earning five percent is really attractive. It presents stiff competition for stocks. But at a time later on, and we'll talk about this maybe in threats, is that when yields those yields start coming down, that money can find its way in the stocks. So from an opportunistic standpoint, you, you you, you may look at that and say, let's keep an eye on that for the money flows from money markets back in the stocks, because that's quite a lot of money on the sidelines. Also an opportunity is given what was mentioned in the onset uh, about inflation expectations. Inflation expectations from the consumer side and the bond market side are kind of coming in the line, but or will come in the line, in my opinion. Right now, the bond market doesn't see a problem with inflation. It's actually priced in cuts later in the year is it filters into this consensus, the bond market's going to fix that. I think that you'd expect to see longer yields get firmed up and possibly rise. That will then be consistent with in consumer inflation expectations. It's not to say inflation's going to get out of control or anything. It's to say inflation's probably going to settle in that higher level. We've sketched this out over a year ago about where we're going with this and that we're going to settle in at a higher inflation level. I mean, there's a whole variety of other reasons and, and we're an opportunity, so I don't want to dwell on that. But the opportunity, while you got high yields in money markets, will find its way to stocks. Yeah, I think that's an area that I'm most proud of our investment team and the work that's come out of it. Over the last year or so, the elevated rates in money markets and treasuries is something that we've talked about con consistently and actually far ahead of most people that are rather they're on financial news or that, you know, what essentially was part of that, that financial crisis that we're here or the banking crisis that we're having earlier this year is that so many people were going to money markets and, and wanting that higher yield. But we were months and months ahead of, of that, whether it was on this podcast, on the radio or within client meetings. That's an area that I... Uh, I, I'm really proud of the work that we've done here. What do you think of threats? Yeah, we talked about small caps and the rally that we've really seen over the last couple of weeks, but there, there certainly is a threat within the small cap area. You know, when we look to see how closely some of those are tied to uh, regional banks 
and just financials as, as a whole. That's an area that if the economy starts to, to sputter, if it starts to slow down, if we continue to see more issues, you're going to feel it stronger in that area within small caps. And that's something that we need to watch out for. Uh, be good a good clue and indication to see if they start to underperform, that there's going to be more cracks within the economy. So that's an area that we need to look um, at closely. So within small caps, you know, the opportunity there to kind of counter that threat is focusing on profitable quality balance sheet, really strong companies within there because they are going to be able to weather those downturns. So you really want to be careful with how you allocate to small cap and what kind of companies that you target within that area. Yeah, it's a great point. It makes me think of the individual equity strategies that we manage in a small cap area that focus on fortress balance sheets. But in a small cap fund area, you've got those funds that benchmark to the S&P 600 versus the Russell 2000, have that more profitable bent to companies they choose. Yeah, exactly. Another area in threats would be Europe got off lucky this past winter with milder than normal temperatures. If energy prices turn up and you have a more severe winter, they better be prepared for it. So there's threat there, in my opinion. Bond yields, getting back to that, again, providing stiff competition for stocks. Does that threaten this market rally as we head into the summer and yields remain elevated? I certainly think that, you know, you're looking at five on treasuries and then you add more to it, six, seven on corporates and just in a plain money market. I mean, you're you're looking at that as, on a risk-adjusted basis and saying, if I got any kind of sell-off in stocks, you know, why wouldn't I be sitting more in bonds in a money market. You got anything else there, Matt? No, I think we can move on to headlines. What's our headline strength, guys? Diversification is not just a buzzword. Headline weakness. Consumer fragility. Headline opportunity. Cash on the sidelines. And our headline threat. Bailing on your plan if faced with another down leg in the market, chasing momentum in this market. Got to be careful because the broader market's not participating. It is episode 55, the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Matt Morrissey, Investment Team Manager, thanks. Thank you. And Todd Boyd, Chief Investment Strategist, thank you. Thank you. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.